Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Joe Biden ran for president three times and never won. Never won anything outside the state of Delaware. Not once. Until he ran up against a guy who the American people knew in their heart was full of it. They had watched the chaos. They had watched the disorder. They had watched the disrespect. They had watched the narcissism and the lying for four years. And they went, you know what? Enough. I thought that something that was so apparent to me would be apparent to everybody. Let me guarantee you something. I ain't making that mistake this time. When the 2024 Republican presidential candidates take the stage tonight in Milwaukee for their first debate, one voice will no doubt be louder than all the others. No, not Donald Trump. He says he'll be a no-show. I'm talking about Chris Christie. The former New Jersey governor and very former Trump supporter has now made it his mission in life to do what none of his rivals has dared to do relentlessly attack Trump with the kind of language that Trump uses to attack everyone else. I knew that so much of what he said was complete baloney. I'm going to build the greatest, most wonderful wall across the entire Mexico border, and Mexico is going to pay for it. Complete bull. And if you listen to him, he'll tell you, I totally succeeded, and now Biden, Biden is the reason that, you know, this is not happening. Well, Biden's made it worse. But is ridiculing the most popular man in the party the way into Republican voters' hearts? Bloomberg Businessweek national correspondent Joshua Green went to find out. The big question when you talk to political folks is, does Chris Christie really think that he's going to be the Republican nominee? Or is he really out there seeking vengeance against Donald Trump? Would denying Trump the nomination by attacking him and blowing him to smithereens be enough of a victory for Chris Christie? I'm Wes Kosova. Today on The Big Take, what does Chris Christie really want? Hey, Josh. How's it going? Well, I'm all right. You're the one out on the campaign trail. What are you seeing out there? A lot of candidates trying their hardest to avoid talking about Donald Trump, who's a runaway frontrunner except one candidate, and that's the guy that I've been trailing, and that is Chris Christie, the former New Jersey governor. Yeah, I mean, in a field of huge personalities, Chris Christie may be close to Donald Trump when it comes to getting notice for the stuff he says. He really is. I mean, as politicians go, Christie was kind of Trump before Trump was Trump. You know, he's the big, brash, northeastern guy from Jersey who liked to get into fights and have big confrontations and had that ability to kind of entertain from the stage, which is what first made Christie nationally famous. The problem is he and everybody else saw in in 2016 was that Donald Trump came along uh, and did Christie's act better than Christie did. And so here he is seven, eight years later trying to get back in the game, trying to run for president. And this time he's going after Trump directly. And he's pretty much the only guy who's really going after Trump hard. And to me, that makes him the most interesting character to watch during the debate. 
in a way, it's kind of poetic, maybe even a little Shakespearean, that Christie is now going after Trump because you write that Christie may have been the reason why Trump had the nomination in 2016. Back then, there was this huge field of candidates running, and Trump was very much in the lead as he is now. The difference back then was that nobody really believed that Trump was going to be the Republican nominee. Everybody kept thinking he would fail, and they all attacked each other. But Trump just kept getting stronger. And when it got to about mid-February and Christie realized like he wasn't going to be the guy, he dropped out of the race and a couple weeks later became the first Republican presidential candidate to endorse Donald Trump, which was huge news at the time. Because up until then, the biggest endorsement that Trump had managed to wrangle was Sarah Palin, who, who really didn't count for anything. And the fact that Christie got out and endorsed Trump, I think essentially cinched the nomination for Trump. It was the first big establishment figure to come out and get behind Donald Trump, vouch for him, and to say this is going to be the next Republican nominee. And that's exactly what Trump became. And why did Christie endorse Trump? Because he wasn't a great fan of his. He did it because he wanted to be Trump's vice president. And jumping out early, becoming the first important endorsement is a big chit for a politician to have. Uh, And that got Christie onto Trump's VP shortlist. And why would... Christie think that Trump would have picked him? Well, a couple of reasons. I mean, one, Trump didn't have any kind of a political background. And so he was going to need a serious VP uh, that would reassure voters that the country wasn't going to go bananas. Christie was a guy who was, as we said, like Trump in a lot of ways. He was popular. He was moderate. And he really envisioned a sort of a Dick Cheney role for himself. Like, Donald Trump is obviously not going to spend his days working the levers of government and puzzling over legislative texts. So he would leave all the real work and all the real power to Chris Christie. That was Christie's view. And so he thought, well, if I can't be president, at least I can be the vice president and be the guy who's kind of secretly running the country behind the scenes. That was the idea going in. The other big appeal that Chris Christie had to Donald Trump was that he is a ferocious debater. And there was a famous debate in February, right before Christie dropped out, where he decided to go after Marco Rubio. He's doing is just not there true. There it is. He knows exactly what he's doing. There it is, the memorized 25-second speech. Well, that's the, that's there it the is, reason everybody. why this camp- Christie absolutely destroyed Rubio in a way that, in a sense, hobbled Rubio's political career permanently. People still talk about that debate. And Christie told me that Trump loved it, that Trump would say... Chris here is a killer. He's a killer. And Trump loves killers. And so that that also, I think, raised Christie's level of esteem in Donald Trump's eyes, at least briefly. And Christie became, in a lot of ways, the most important person inside the Trump campaign at that very early stage. But then, of course, Trump passed over Christie for vice president. He did. And Christie recounts in his memoir, Trump calling him up the day before the announcement saying, you know, are you ready? Are you ready to be VP? I think Christie thought that he had the job in the bag. And then, of course, at the last minute, Trump comes out and picks Mike Pence instead, which was a real blow to Christie. But he was still put in charge of the presidential transition. Christie was, which was its own form of power. And everybody in the political press corps and everybody in Washington thought, all right, well, this is sort of a a uh, holding job for, for some other big job in the administration. Maybe he'll be the attorney general or maybe he'll be some important cabinet member. Instead, Trump did what he does to a lot of important Republicans come to work for him, firing him. And why did he fire him? Why didn't he give him a big job in the administration? You know, it's never quite clear with Trump. You know, he sort of falls in love and out of love with people very quickly. But it was clear that the very tight-knit Trump campaign, which at the time was run by Steve Bannon, viewed Christie as 
an interloper and a phony and not a real MAGA guy and took an intense disliking to him. I talked to Bannon for this profile and he told me that they all viewed Christie as Piggy from Lord of the Flies, the kid that everybody turns on and dislikes. So now all these years later, Chris Christie is looking to balance the scales? Yeah, I mean, the big question when you talk to political folks is, you know, does Chris Christie really think that he's going to be the Republican nominee? Or is he really out there seeking vengeance against Donald Trump? Would denying Trump the nomination by attacking him and blowing him to smithereens be enough of a victory for Chris Christie? And it seems like Republicans are not really buying what he's trying to sell. Well, you know, Christie is is such a fascinating candidate because on the one hand, polls show that there's absolutely a portion of the Republican Party that does not want Donald Trump to be their nominee. The problem for Christie is they don't want Christie to be the nominee either. So he's not popular with Trump fans, which doesn't come as a surprise because he spends most of his time attacking Trump. But he's also not popular with never Trumpers. And so that's been the real problem weighing Christie down in the polls. Josh, you went out on the campaign trail and watched Christie at work. What is he actually saying when he's trying to convince voters to ditch Trump? When Christie goes to these events and these town halls, the message he's sending, like a clarion, is we cannot nominate Donald Trump again. We have to stop Donald Trump before it's too late. He's a completely self-centered, self-consumed, angry old man. And if he were ever to become president again, I'll take him at his word. He said, I am your retribution. Well, he's not our retribution. He will be his own retribution. That's a message that does appeal to a lot of Republican voters, as well as Democrats and independents. I mean, I say in the piece that after attending a bunch of these events, you know, they come to feel like group therapy sessions. There'll be Republicans driving from hours and hours away, sometimes from other states, to be at a Christie event just to be among people who are Republicans and who are put off by Donald Trump, who want somebody else there. And so in that sense, Christie is almost like a counselor staging an intervention with people saying, you know, you have to kick this Trump addiction, Republicans, before it's too late, before we cost ourselves the White House in 2024. That's a message that has a lot of power. Uh, The problem is it doesn't have the power to attract a majority of Republican primary voters. And in the end, that's what Chris Christie is going to have to do if he wants to become the Republican nominee. So what exactly is his pitch against Trump? What are his main complaints against the former president? When I was in South Carolina, for instance, you know, Christie came out and just went right after Donald Trump. He said he's he's selfish. He's a serially bankrupted con man and is fully aware that he lost the 2020 election to Joe Biden and who doesn't care about you, fleeces donors to pay his legal bills. He's taking 10, 25, $50 from middle-class Americans across this country who believe in him. And he's putting it in his own pocket to pay his lawyers. It is disgraceful. It's beneath the office he asks for. And that and that alone should disqualify him from being our nominee in 2024. Christie's message is, this guy is using you, uh, and if we nominate him again, Republicans are going to lose. They're going to lose the White House. They're probably going to lose Congress. This is the moment when Republicans have to muster all their courage and finally kick Donald Trump to the curb. That is what Christie is hoping will happen. After the break, why tonight's debate is so important for Christie. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. 
It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. My point to you is, I'm not coming down here in South Carolina as some never-Trumper. I worked hard to get him elected in 2016. I worked hard every day to make him the best president he possibly could be for all of us and supported a lot of his policies. But he failed us. Josh, one of the funny things you write in your story is that a lot of the people who show up to see Chris Christie aren't Republicans at all. Yeah, you know, I went down to a town hall that he had in Columbia, South Carolina, because I wanted to see Christie among, you know, hardcore conservative South Carolinians. I figured there'd be hecklers there and a lot of MAGA people. And instead, the first guy in the door was a 68-year-old Democrat who'd driven two and a half hours to see Christie uh, because he said, you know, I'm here because I don't like Trump's divisiveness, racism, and misogyny. And I want to see Chris Christie light him up, you know. So he was almost there as a form of entertainment because it was exciting to him to see Christie tear this guy Donald Trump to shreds. In South Carolina, that's okay because Republicans have an open primary, which means that Democrats and independents can vote in it along with Republicans. That's an important crowd for Christie. And it's a reason why Christie is spending so much time in New Hampshire, which also allows Democrats and independents to vote in the Republican primary. The problem is that most Republican primary states are not like that. They're either closed primaries or caucuses, which means you've got to win with Republican voters. And that's a group that Christie performs very poorly with. Why is Christie struggling to attract attention? Obviously, from the core MAGA voters, they're always going to be with Trump. But he's a former governor. He's got political skills. He's a well-known figure. Why is he not registering? Well, if you look at the polls and you talk to political insiders, county chairmen, those sorts of people, it's because people just don't trust Chris Christie. I did an interview for the piece with Seth Maskett, who's a political scientist who conducts a bi-monthly poll of Republican county chairs. Those are kind of like the local bigwigs who really kind of know what's going on in their districts. They're at the, the heart of local politics. And Christie is the most despised GOP candidate in the entire field when you talk to Republican county chairs. He has the largest group of county chairs against him. And I think a big reason for that is that, you know, Christie, if you go back a few years, he was running for president against Donald Trump. 
Then he turned around and endorsed Donald Trump. So he was Trump's first champion. And now he's back to aggressively attacking Donald Trump again. He's had a lot of different positions. I think people don't really know where he stands. But I think the never Trump group also has suspicions about Chris Christie because they look at him and say, well, yes, he's going after Donald Trump. And I like that. But I remember just a few years ago when he was trying to be Trump's vice president and saying that Trump was exactly the kind of strong leader that America needed. One of the things he could look back on is his record as governor of New Jersey, but he had some trouble there, too. Yeah, he did. I mean, for most of his term, you know, he's a very popular Republican governor in a largely Democratic state. But toward the end of his term, there was what was called a Bridgegate scandal. There was a political scandal where people in Christie's administration closed lanes on the George Washington Bridge between New York and New Jersey in order to punish a political rival. Christie has always claimed that he wasn't aware of it, but I think it sullied his political reputation going into the 2015-2016 Republican primaries. Uh, and then you couple that with the fact that Donald Trump came along, who was the shinier, more exciting object. And Christie never really took off, I think, in the way that he'd hoped to. Tonight, of course, is the first Republican debate. And you write that Christie really sees these debates as the most important forum for him, not only to get his message out, but to weaken Trump in a way that maybe people would start to see him as not inevitable. I think what Christie's really auditioning for, what he's really trying to get, what all these candidates are trying to get is to emerge as the main Trump alternative. You know, the guy who kind of climbs the greasy pole to become the main focus of Trump and to kind of go after Trump. That guy was Ron DeSantis, but DeSantis has performed so poorly and has just fallen further and further and further in the polls. The sense in the Republican field is that that role is now wide open. Maybe maybe DeSantis recovers, but I think we're going to see Christie go after DeSantis in a very aggressive way in order to make sure that he doesn't. And I think Christie's hope is that if voters see somebody who is a strong leader and powerful and aggressive, that they've been conditioned to kind of respond to that sort of thing after eight years of Donald Trump and that they'll gravitate to Christie as, as an alternative. That's the theory anyway. Trump is not going to be on the stage tonight unless he surprises everybody. Is that good or bad for Christie? Because he clearly wants to go up against Donald Trump. That is the fight that everybody wanted to see. I was talking to a well-known Republican strategist in New Hampshire named Dave Carney, who's run campaigns in the past, who said Trump versus Christie on a debate stage, if you made it a pay-per-view event, would raise like $2 billion, would be like Ali versus Frazier. It's bad news for Christie that Trump is not going to show up because what he really wants to do is go mano a mano with Trump. And you could see even in Christie's emails this week, you know, he's out calling Trump a coward. There was an email I got. The subject line for Christie was, say it to my face, Trump. You know, he's he's trying to turn this into like a kind of one on one slap fight between him and Trump because he knows that if Trump were to take the bait, that that would elevate Christie's candidacy in a way that he very much needs it to be. But Trump so far has shown fairly uncharacteristic discipline in refraining from getting into it with Christie. Why do you think he's not taking the bait, though? You know, it's a good question, because I, I got to be honest, I really thought he would. I thought he couldn't. He wouldn't be able to stand listening to Christie belittle him. I mean, this is a guy who Trump had belittled. And he's out there every day just saying the meanest, nastiest things about Trump in person, on social media, and TV ads through a super PAC. I think there are two things going on with Trump. One, his advisors are showing him these polls and they're saying, listen, you've got a big lead. Why do you want to expose yourself to other people? 
The other thing is that Trump is in a great deal of legal jeopardy. You know, he's going to be surrendering to authorities in Georgia where his latest indictment has taken place. And going out there and, and saying things off the cuff could potentially put him in even greater legal jeopardy. And so why take that risk? You mentioned that Christie's likely to go after Ron DeSantis. There's going to be a lot of other people up on that debate stage, too. The former Vice President Mike Pence, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, Senator Tim Scott. Where do they figure into this big mix on the stage? Most of these Republican candidates want voters to just discover their excellence and elevate them to the nomination without them ever having to say a mean word about Trump. As Christie says on the campaign trail, they're afraid of him. He likens Trump to Voldemort. I'll tell you, Deborah, it's what confuses me about some of my fellow colleagues in this race. They don't want to talk about him. They treat him like he's Voldemort. In the Harry Potter books, you know, he shall not be named. It's going to be interesting to watch how these candidates try and emerge because most of them, like I said, are afraid to go after Trump. And yet they recognize that they've got competition on that stage. And so they have to emerge as the apple of voters' eyes. And I think one way they might do it is by going after Chris Christie and attacking him as a sort of bank shot way of defending Donald Trump. DeSantis, who telegraphs every awkward move that he makes in politics, his super PAC released a memo last week sort of saying, when Christie attacks Trump, you should attack Christie because that will show people that you're a Trumper and somehow that's supposed to turn around his tailspin. But we'll see. I mean, this, this is what's going to make the debate so exciting tonight is that nobody really knows what's going to happen or who's going to attack who. So it's a battle royale. I don't know if you were a WWE fan, Wes, when you are growing up watching professional wrestling, but they all hop in the ring and just sort of start wailing on each other. I think that's what Christie is expecting tonight. When we come back, how Christie thinks he can take the nomination from Trump. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is a contact sport. And the way I'm going to appeal to any voter in New Hampshire is to do what I just did and make the case I can make. If someone in here was a Trump voter four years ago, maybe this time they say, ah, you know, let me give this guy a shot. I don't have a specific strategy. I'm going to be myself. Josh, in your piece, you pose this central question. 
does Christie really want to be president or does he have some other goal? And where'd you come down after reporting this story? Christie's a smart guy. He's a veteran politician. He knows how to read a poll. And so I assume that he is fully aware that he's not doing real great right now. Maybe the debates, you know, something crazy happens, but I think he's got to know that the chances of him winning the nomination are, are pretty low. And yet he's out there gleefully attacking Trump every day. I think what Christie is really after here is, is personal redemption. You know, he had this wonderful reputation. He was the big guy in Republican politics back in 2012, 2013. Everybody thought he was going to be president and instead he endorsed Trump. And what happened to Christie became almost like the prototype for what happens to respectable Republicans who go to work for Trump. They get chewed up and spit out with their reputation in tatters. And that's pretty much what happened to Chris Christie. If he goes out and manages to stop Donald Trump from winning the nomination, he will be a hero, uh, not just Democrats, but to a lot of Republicans, too. There was a moment I talk about in my piece where we were at a, a town hall in South Carolina, and this elderly woman stands up and takes the microphone and turns to Christie and says, when you cross the pearly gates, you will be rewarded for telling the truth about Donald Trump. And everyone sort of stood up and, and was clapping and cheering, and Christie was just basking in their adulation. And so you can envision a future, I can anyway, where maybe he doesn't win the nomination, but he's kind of redeemed himself and he becomes a big figure in politics. He gets a big TV contract. You know, maybe he gets a nice job with the Lincoln Project, the anti-Trump group. Or maybe, you know, Chrissy's only 60 years old, which is like adolescent in American electoral politics these days. There will come a time eventually where Trump is off the political stage and the Republican Party stands for something other than Donald Trump. You know, we've been waiting for this to happen for like eight years and we're really no closer to it. But at least in theory, there will like arrive a, a post-Trump era. And if Republicans do finally turn on Donald Trump, you know, Christie will be viewed as, as the truth teller who went after him when other people were afraid to. And so who knows, maybe in 2028, maybe even in 2032, Christie will get another chance to run for president uh, and actually make it that time. A lot at stake here beyond just winning the 2024 nomination for Chris Christie. And unlike the other candidates, Chris Christie is clearly not running to be vice president. No, you know, that's the other thing that's going on with these debates. I mean, whether or not they realize that these candidates aren't really running to beat Donald Trump. I think most of them are auditioning to be Trump's vice president. There's no sign at all that voters are losing their affinity for him, even after all of these indictments. The big plug job that is open is who's going to be Trump's VP. Obviously, the big exception to that is, is former Vice President Mike Pence, who is not going to be Trump's VP in 2024. And it's certainly not going to be Chris Christie, but it could be just about anybody else. And I think that's one reason why the other candidates like Scott and Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy are out there running but refusing to criticize Donald Trump, because I think they're hedging their bets and thinking, well... You know, if Trump doesn't fall and I become nominee, at least I'd have the chance to be perhaps his VP. And if I were to become his VP, you would then be the future of the Republican Party. Why would any of these candidates want to be Trump's vice president? They're going to be standing on stage with the man who was and they saw how it ended for him. Because they're politicians and they want power and attention. And the one thing we know for sure is that if Donald Trump does win re-election, he's only going to be serving one term. And so if you're VP, and if you can walk that tightrope that Mike Pence tried to walk for four years and stay in the good graces of the party, then at least in theory, 
You are the heir to Trump's dynasty and the leading Republican for the nominee going into 2028. Josh, you asked Chris Christie what he wants out of this. Does he want to be president? Does he just want to bring down Donald Trump? What did he tell you? I asked a lot of Republican strategists if they saw a path to the nomination for Chris Christie, and I couldn't find one who did. But a number of people said they could see, given his political and debating talents, that maybe he'd be able to stop Donald Trump from becoming the nominee. And I asked Chris Christie when we sat down, would that be enough for you? Would that be a victory? And Christie just rejected the premise. He said he's not out there running to stop Donald Trump. He's running to become the Republican nominee and to become the president. And he said, listen, you know, if I go out there and I wipe the floor with Donald Trump, voters are going to think, okay, he did that to Trump. What in God's name will he do to Joe Biden? That was, that was what Christie told me. And the other thing he said, when you look back at history, the guy who kills the king usually becomes the king himself, not somebody else. Christie is at least claiming that if he's able to stop Donald Trump, voters will recognize that there's a new sheriff in town and and nominate him uh, to be a presidential candidate in 2024. But that's what I'm going to be watching for tonight in the debate and in the weeks ahead as Christie takes on Trump, hopefully one-on-one. Josh, great talking to you. Thanks for coming on the show. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to us here at The Big Take. It's a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And we'd love to hear from you. Email us questions or comments to bigtake at bloomberg.net. The supervising producer of The Big Take is Vicki Bergolina. Our senior producer is Catherine Fink. Our producers are Mo Barrow and Michael Falero. Hilda Garcia is our engineer. Our original music was composed by Leo Sidrin. I'm Wes Kosova. We'll be back tomorrow with another Big Take. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.